Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how is it going this evening? Doing just fine, Herbie. Uh, hopefully, uh, you guys have a great weekend. Uh, looking forward to just uh, some some you know R and R time. Hopefully, finish up a few things around the house and and recover. As as we record this on Thursday evening, the election has not yet been finalized, but it's looking like we'll have a new president, number forty six. Uh, will be uh, taking office, uh, you know, hopefully sooner than later. Not not saying that from a political thing, but I just want this election to be over with. Uh, one, one, yeah, I know you are. Like your 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 president uh, is facing uh, his last days here. I think uh, <laughs> your guy. Um, but yeah, so you know, just just been hanging out this weekend. Uh, looking forward to it, but. Uh, you know that brings us to episode seventy. Uh, guys who wore jersey number seventy for uh, the the esteemed historic White Sox organization. Uh, it's it's not a very long list here, folks. And uh, what what can you say when we're looking forward to episode seventy one? That that's how that's how poor seventy is. So uh, th- only three guys have worn number seventy for the White Sox in a total of three seasons between them, nineteen ninety six. Uh, something by the name of of Rich Savor, Rich Rich Sev Sever Severe Severe. Let's yeah, let's let's check the old uh, internet machine and and see how to pronounce this last name. Pronounce names dot com. Silver. What? Silver. 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 English motherfucker, do you speak it? Silver. I don't remember. Do I'm we have off. the correct pronunciation of we, your name? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't Stop know. Rich Savla. Rich Savla was was born November twenty third. Oh, he's got a birthday coming up. Happy birthday, Rich! Nineteen sixty three. Uh, he pitched for the nineteen ninety six White Sox. Oh God, he was O and O with a earn run average of fifteen. <laughs> now, now you know what I've got to see this game log for nineteen ninety six. Uh, Rich Silver for for the yeah, White we Sox. We were alive when Rich Silver was pitching. I don't remember him at all. Okay, so wow, uh, nineteen ninety six. So was was Bevington the manager then? Yeah, Lamont was fired by that point, right? In nineteen ninety six. So, I'm pretty sure about it. So who's this? Nardi Contreras? Was, was he the, the pitching coach then? Uh, yeah, 1996, or was it Jackie Brown still? I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Jackie Brown? Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, great movie. Uh, so August 18, 19, and 20 of 1996 will go down as uh, probably not the best three days of Rich Savoy's life. Um, he pitched in three straight days on the road for the White Sox against Milwaukee and at Detroit. Uh here, here's how he did in those three outings. Uh, an inning and a third, 
one run. It was earned uh, on August 18th. Okay, not bad. Uh, and he holds the line on August 19th. Uh, pitches uh, not a full inning. He gives up one walk, and he's, he's pulled out of there. But uh, the, the run did not score. Uh, but then on August 20th at Detroit, the Sox are losers 16-11 uh, to 11, uh, at Old Tiger Stadium. Rich pitches an inning and two-thirds. He gives up three hits, four runs, all of them earned on three walks. And, of course, he, he gave up uh, a home run uh, to the Tigers that day. Let, let's go back and see who Rich Savoy gave the booty up to uh, in that outing against Detroit. That, 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 Dean Palmer. Is that is that your guess? Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, we can go back and see here. Uh, home runs. Uh, <laughs> Melvin Nieves hit two bombs that day <laughs> for his 19th and uh, 20th home runs of the season. One off Kevin Tappany in the first and one off Rich Slavoj, uh in the sixth inning. So, of course, it was Melvin Nieves. Of course, when you think of the 1990s Detroit Tigers, you know, it's, it's Melvin Nieves all day, every day. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Rich Savoy wore number 70 and uh, not a very esteemed career. Uh, other notable 70s, Aaron Bummer wore it for, for one season back in 2017, but we already did an Aaron Bummer episode, so that leaves us to Luis Avilan, who wore number 70 in 2018. So again, I don't think we're going to name yeah. this after one person in particular. This is so bad, uh, but we will say it's still going to be episode 70, so I guess... Go ahead and make a call here. Who are we naming the episode after? As I talk my way around whether or not to name the episode after someone or not. Hell no on uh, whatever Rich Sofalon. <laughs> yes, Luis Avalon. And I would, I would, you know, I would do it for Aaron Bummer, but I don't think he was good as the number 70. But also, he would be our first guy that we would name two episodes after. I don't want that distinction for him. Yeah, I don't like that Even either. though he's awesome. So yeah, so Luis Avalon in 2018 for the White Sox, um, he pitched for the Sox and the Phillies that year. He was 2-1 and one for the Sox with a 3.86 earned run average in 58 games in 2018. So not yeah, awful. Solid. Yeah, got, got, his, got himself traded uh, probably it looks like. Uh, back and, in and also I remember on Players Day, him and Avi Garcia both had the nickname of Avi. Ah, confusing times indeed. There was there was many Garcias in the outfield and, and multiple Avis. What a crazy time that we'll tell our children about back in 2018. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, so here we are, the Luis Avilan episode of Locked on White Sox. Today's episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your order at BuiltBar.com. In this episode of Lockdown White Sox, we're going to continue our discussion that we started in the last episode. We're going to talk about why you should be encouraged that the White Sox uh, could be spending a little money this offseason and why you should be encouraged again at moves that are happening within the division and one of the big rivals for the White Sox could be significantly weaker heading into 2021. Okay, so I, I teased a little while ago about a possible, you know, uh, something that gets you excited about free agency because I think all of us yes. are, are resigned to this fate that um, the White Sox aren't going to spend any money and they're going to try to use this La Russa move to maximize the current roster. But uh, this report came out uh, from Andy Martino, who covers the uh, covers baseball for SNY, covers Mets and Yankees, and he tweeted this earlier today: Teams perceived by rivals as likely to spend significantly this offseason. 
Blue Jays, Giants, Mets, and White Sox. Um, you know, as as happy as I am to see that, you know, whenever you think about the White Sox and you see them linked to anything financial, you should always worry because they're all, always trying to get rid of that that stigma that they don't spend money. So they're always going to leak shit out there. Um, but if this is coming straight from rival executives, you know, maybe there's something to this. But I worry. I, I worry not in a sense like, you know, I don't lose sleep over it, but when you see the Mets uh, who just had their ownership change, like you worry about the, the Sox are not going to win a bidding war with some with the Mets, you know, in, in a major market like that, even though there are parallels with the two organizations. But whenever you have a, a new owner coming in who's trying to uh, create some buzz, they're going to go after big ticket free agent items. So I don't expect the White Sox to – uh, get in any bidding wars for someone like George Springer or Trevor Bauer. I, I think those guys will will likely land on the Mets because, like you know, they they're they're trying to win over uh, the hearts and minds of their fan base. You know, they're not coming off a playoff appearance like the White Sox are, but it is encouraging just to to think of the White Sox in that group, as seen by the rival executives as as a, a team that's going to be willing to spend. Overall, I think that that's a positive because, as we discussed in previous episodes, there are many uh, uh, options to 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 sort of uh, fix this roster. So it, it's not all about Trevor Bauer or George Springer at this point. So I think that was that was uh, that that made me happy today to to see that. Again, you have to back it up. You have to sign the deals, put put the put the ink on the dotted line. Don't pull another Manny Machado and and bring some of these guys home. And I have a little more faith in them than I did in years past because they were able to do that last offseason with Yasmani Grandal and Dallas Keuchel. But uh, are you believing this, that that Jerry's actually going to do his guy Tony a solid and give him the guys he needs, give him the horses uh, to to get to the World Series this year? Um, Yeah, I think he's going to do enough. I don't think he's going to be the highest bidder of, of all the people out there, especially Steve Cohen. Famously, Jared Reinsdorf, one of the owners who opposed – his hiring, I mean, his ownership of the Mets. And I think he's been a, a adversary of Steve Cohen in particular for years for, I don't know, unnamed reasons. I mean, I think there was a couple of articles written about that. But Steve Cohen's a billionaire. I think $16 billion is his net worth. And I'm sure Jerry Ryan's sort of trying to get A-Rod being that owner there in New York is going to stick in this craw. And if it's, hey, Marcus Stroman, hey, Trevor Bauer, hey, big-time free agent – you want to come to New York or you want to come to Chicago? And if it's money, he won't be outbid. Steve Cohn won't be outbid by Jerry Reinsdorf, especially. He'll be he'll be doing all he can to make sure that he could stick it in Jerry's Jerry's took us <laughs> that he outspent him. And he made sure that, hey, you tried to oppose my ownership and you thought you had the power you had in, in the owner's room, but you don't. And now I'm stealing players from you. Now what type of stuff? That's you know making rivals is not a smart thing, especially guys who make this much money. Um, but I think it's a good thing that the White Sox are named to be one of these teams out there trying to spend money. It's good. It's awesome because we talked about this I think two episodes ago. Rick wants to win multiple championships, but you can only win next year's championship next year. So let's go out the. White Sox are in their window right now. The door, the window is open, as we've seen with so many teams, the Cubs, the Houston Astros, now the Dodgers. That one championship is very hard to get, 
and it's after you win it, it's very hard to get back and win another one. So next year's championship can only be won next year. You can't win 2022 and 2021. So let's just strike while you have the horses. They're healthy. You have them for relatively cheap. All your contracts signed pretty much of your players are relatively cheap. So you can go out and spend exorbitantly more money than anybody else because you have this flexibility. You have this financial flexibility. So, yeah, I'm not waiting for anything else. I'm not saying holding back bullets. Theo famously bought a lot of stuff and for the Cubs and bought a lot of like John Lester's and uh, John Lackey and you Darvish eventually and Jason Hayward of it uh, to win the championship. You Darvish after the championship, but, and then he couldn't spend anymore because he was at his budget. But do you ask a Cub fan if they think that world series they got by Theo spending money and cultivating that roster was worth it him spending all that money and all the, the playoff appearances was worth it. I would think they would say yes. I think if we had the same success as we talked about as the Cubs had by going out and spending money and supplement the places that we don't have a right fielder, another starting pitcher, a designated hitter, I think we'll be more than happy if we won one championship and then at a time and three years down the line, Jerry's like, we have no more money and we're just stuck with the players that we have. We're like, cool, let's battle with the players that we have. Fine. We won that one championship. I'm not satisfied. I'm happy, but I'm I'm good that we spent the money while we could. And this is the time to strike. Uh, a lot of teams are going to cry poor this year, so you probably don't have the same amount of contenders that you would have in a regular year because some teams own other teams. Some teams got, got shorted at the gate this year because of no uh, fans in the stands, and so they're going to cry poor that reg- in that regard. And uh, hold on to some money. You've already seen the Cubs uh, take on a lot of their staff. And Sox, I think, have done some of that. But this is a time where you can uh, gain an advantage while other people are down. And bring some money out of your own pocket. Yeah, maybe you don't have the flexibility that you thought you would have or the capital you thought you would have in a regular year. But this is a year that Jerry has to pull out money that – Maybe he didn't want to. That's not necessarily White Sox money. This is actually out of Jerry Reinsor's personal pocket. But scared money don't make money. And you got to be, you can't be uh, penny wise and pound foolish. So put that money on the line when you need it. And if, Kenny, if Rick comes to you, especially after you went over his head with Tony LaRusso, and Rick comes to you, he's like, this dude wants three, four million more. And the deal's done. I think he owes it to Rick. I think he has to, and Rick has to play that card. Hey, man, you did that bullshit to me about Tony Russa. Now, I'm asking you. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, <laughs> give me $3 more million for this man, and we're going to sign him. You owe it to me type of thing. And I think Jerry will acquiesce. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today, and, you know, whatever White Sox fans want to feel a certain way, about Jerry Reinsdorf for whatever the you know the white flag trade whatever you want to hold against Jerry Reinsdorf the ninety four players strike whatever you want to say but in terms of people that work with him one thing that has never been said about Jerry Reinsdorf by anyone who's worked for him is that he's a bad guy or he, he's a snake type of guy where you know this this move of Tony Larusa was pretty uncharacteristic from him which is why everyone was so surprised by it but I, I think to your point I think he will. 
you know, you know, lean on Rick Hahn, and I think he will acquiesce to whatever Rick Hahn asks of him because he put him in such a tough spot and also rolled him out there in front of the, the media during that Tony La Russa press conference the other day that we talked about last week. So I, I think there is something to that. Jerry's never – they never speak Jerry speak about Jerry in a way where it's like, oh, you know, oh, you got to watch watch him, you know, like he's a bad guy and, you know, and shady businessman. He always does things, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the up and up, on, on the level with, with, with everyone that you talk to. So this is why I'm pretty confident that, that he will – throw money at this roster this year because he is he's getting up there in years and and he wants to to bring a winner back and he wants to make things right with Tony La Russa and they want to you know squash that narrative at, at every every avenue but uh, I really think that that that's that's a big part of this thing here this episode of Lockdown White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar Built Bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever and now the improved Built Bar is somehow even deliciouser I don't even know if that was possible but it certainly is the new Built Bar has six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And there's also those 12 original flavors that you know and love so much. It's peanut butter brownie, uh, my personal favorite, the German chocolate, peanut butter, salted caramel, and of course, double chocolate because Built Bars, they're always covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and so easy to chew, and they're not you know grainy and tough like a lot of those other protein bars are on the market. I've had a lot of them. Built Bar, by far my favorite. They're healthy. They're great if you're a health-conscious guy or gal on the go, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in those snacks that we all love so much. Uh, Herb can attest to this, but I keep them in the drawer at work uh, for those sweet tooth cravings around 3 o'clock or so. Uh, they're great for you because they are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber if you're doing the keto diet these fit in perfectly to your whole game plan with your macros and all that good stuff so uh, it's a beautiful thing when you check out our friends at built bar and right now they're offering a free cooler with purchase while supplies last go to builtbar.com use our promo code locked on and you'll get 20 percent off of your next order once again that's promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com quickly here before we wrap up um, something to, to for a good thought for you, uh, Locked On White Sox listeners out there, as you lay your heads on your pillows, uh, whenever you listen to this broadcast, this podcast, the Cleveland Indians, uh, Bob Nightingale reported today, Cleveland strapped for money, intend to trade all-star shortstop Francisco Lindor by opening day. Several rival teams have been informed. Lindor earned $17.5 million last season and is projected to earn about $21 million in salary arbitration in his final year before free agency. You hate to see it. You know, we Cleveland obviously being a division rival, but really I, I don't like to see this. I make jokes like, oh, you hate to see it. Cleveland's getting worse, but it's great for the White Sox, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, when you lose an all-world shortstop like Francisco Lindor. But it's not good for the game. And it's not good for Indians fans. And, you know, I don't know many Indians fans, but they don't deserve this, man. You know, I know the Cleveland ownership group is is, is kind of a small group in comparison to to what other teams are looking at. And, and I think it's a it's a family of lawyers, I think, the Dolans there. So they're, they're, their wealth is not like uber generational where it's not like oil money or other ways some of these other ownership groups get their money. You know, so I, I get it. doesn't make it right. But it certainly looks like 
the division is going to be for the taking next year uh, in the American League Central, which is why I think Jerry will throw money at this roster. This 2021 should be the leave no doubt season where they, they should strive to win the division by 10 games if possible by getting all the talent that you can get on the open market and, and making sure every hole is plugged and making sure you have adequate depth all up and down the roster so you leave no doubt and you fortify this thing so you guarantee your, your, your team a slot in the postseason, even though that's hard to do in baseball. But now it looks like the best player, your, your number two division rival, is is going to be significantly weaker, at least in, in the short-term window here. They're going to get a King's Ransom for him, I think, and I think he's going to go to San Diego. Just real quick, where, where do you handicap uh, Lindor landing uh, this offseason? I think the Padres is a good one because they have the capital to do it and the willingness to do it because they have um, – uh, well, Jake Cronenworth is the current second baseman. They can move – Cronenworth to well he's a part-time pitcher too he can move him to the outfield they can move him other places especially if they get Frankie Lindor and Lindor can play shortstop and Fernando Tatis would play second base I think in that regard because Lindor is the superior defensive player out of those two but um, if I had to bet on this I'm going to go with the team that just won the World Series the Los Angeles Dodgers Um, at shortstop or second base I think what uh, they have um uh, the second baseman is it Gavin Lux, the young uh, shortstop that yeah. they sent back down to uh, the alternate site earlier in the year after I guess he was talking out of turn or such things. They didn't really need him. That guy, I can see them trading him and some other young prospects to Cleveland, Cleveland like maybe a, a, a Brutus Argaro, uh guys like that back over to Cleveland, and Cleveland just gets you know, good and reloads again, especially on the pitching staff. But yeah, I feel bad for Cleveland because the Dolans, while not the richest family in baseball, they have money. They're not crying poor. And I, well, I'm apparently just, they are. Bob, Bob Nightingale says they're strapped for cash. They're going to be yeah. the Dolan family is going to be eating cat food at Thanksgiving dinner, man. It's going to break yeah. my heart. <laughs> like, I don't understand why I understand. Yeah. They were expecting money this year from fans, concessions, all those good things. But isn't it a bad business, especially a billion-dollar business, that one like off year can cause all this havoc? Like, don't you have enough savings, enough uh, built-in equity, built-in like safety net from one pandemic, which is bad? <laughs> and no fans coming. I mean, you still got the TV money, still got money from MLB from the playoff money. Like one bad thing like that is going to make you cash poor. It seems it seems far fetched to me. I know they probably have money and they just don't want to spend it. It took a big chunk out of their what they're expecting. And so they're like, we're not going to be eating that. Hell, we'll be loading, unloading people off our team. Now, this is his last year in Cleveland, no matter what. He was probably going to be commanding a big-time extension, and he probably wasn't going to be signing a deal. But I don't know what good it does you as a team to let teams know that you're going to be trading your player before all before the opening day. Like, leverage is gone. Like, last year, I heard the same whispers, or before this year, I heard the same whispers. It was... 
good for them to keep him because then, you know, teams know, okay, they might keep him, they might trade him. It's not, it's still up in the air. So I must come with a real deal. That's the same thing happened with Mookie Betts in the offseason. Everybody knew Mookie Betts had to leave Boston because they were crying poor before the season. And that's why they got that shitty deal where they got Alex Verdugo and garbage like that for a generational player that they drafted. They cultivated and became a superstar. And they're like, pennies on the dollar. Get the fuck out of here because we're, we're talking to everybody that we have to move this guy. That's going to get you less players on the return. So I don't know why announcing it, telling other teams does for you. Tell those teams to go and scratch. Tell, don't tell anybody. You could keep him for the for the remainder and then offer him a qualifying offer after he's done playing next year. And, yeah, you'll lose him, but you'll at least get a second-round draft pick. It'll probably be much more than what you would get uh, if you're going to be trading this guy, especially if they know that you're going to be trading this guy. So they'll offer you what the Dodgers offered Boston and got Alex Verdugo, who's a solid player. But he's not Mookie Betts, and he's not going to be making you forget about Mookie Betts. Boston fans are going to be thinking about that for years. You think we're, we think bad things about Fernando Tatis? Imagine if we had a superstar. If Fernando Tatis played for us, and the White Sox like, mm, after year five, mm, we're good. We're going to get Alex Verdugo back for Fernando Tatis. We would burn that some bitch down. We would burn guarantee rate down. I would it myself. So yeah, and imagine like. In five years from now, well, I know we already signed the extension. Wherever uh, Luis well, Robert hits like uh, his his ceiling, and we're like, mm, we're good. I'll go somewhere else, and we get Alex Verdugo back. I'll burn this place down. That's the thing. Like it's so short sighted if you're an ownership group like that. You know, I, that's why I will give Rick Hahn and the White Sox credit because they operate like uh, a bottom. You know, we, we call them a second tier organization last episode, and, and they are, but they at least they know they are, or at least they know like they want to operate like they are, you know, for whatever reason. They, they know that they're not going to throw money around like the Cubs or the Yankees or the Dodgers. So they operate in a way to, to appease everyone from on their ownership board that this, you know, where they're going to try to keep the bottom line uh, as profitable as possible. And by doing that, they, they lock in great young players to team-friendly contracts. The, the players like the security. The team loves being able to lock them in at, 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 a, at below what their market value would be. But for the Indians to just sort of you know run their team sort of recklessly, when it's not like Francisco Lindor became a star in the last couple seasons. Like He's been a star pretty much since the moment he came up. I remember you know uh, listening to people talk about him way before he ever made his debut like it was as close thing to a sure thing as you're ever going to get and I don't know if it was ever afforded to him the opportunity to sign a team-friendly extension but this is just the worst way to run a franchise where you let a star blossom into a star and I'll never forget that image of him you know being mic'd up during the all-star game last year in Cleveland and he's he's shouting out local businesses and he's totally embracing being Mr. Cleveland guy when it's not always the coolest thing in the world and this is how you reward him although maybe you could see it as a reward for being able to get the hell out of Cleveland but it's just I, I don't know what it does for your fan base what it does for your organization it makes you look small time you know just to not even try to lock this guy in 
for for you know the the duration of his career years ago and just letting him letting him walk and he's going to win his first world series with someone else other than your club and i know they had their bites at the apple but it's just it's something that you that you'd really do hate to see in the big picture aspect it's beneficial to the white Sox, sure but you, you don't want this happening it shouldn't happen you shouldn't own a team if if you can't make a guy like francisco lindor work for your team you know what i mean like it's just why, why even owed a team at that point? You know, like I, we, we know the Cleveland fan base pretty well because we were out there a bunch of times and we know how, how they're sort of, they have this defeatist attitude that they carry around with them. And it's because of moves like this, man. And, you know, just, I, I enjoy watching Francisco Lindor. And that's one of the great things I, I like about being in the AL Central is you get to see a guy like him more often than not, more often than some of the guys, uh, you know, uh, on the East or West Coast get to see him. But yeah, it's just it's it's just unfortunate, man, and and you know just the fact that they couldn't make it work is just inexcusable. Uh, why why own a team at that point? But uh, but I digress. We'll we'll see where he lands. Uh, I'm trying to selfishly figure out a way to see if uh, <laughs> you know how would he fit with the with the White Sox. But you know I don't I don't know how I would that... trade. I would trade your boy Madrigal. I would, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would find a way to trade him. But I was thinking yeah. about that. I like I thought about it too. But like, who plays short? Like, does TA you know surrender short to 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 Lindor? Do you move Lindor to second? Or you know, what do you do in that situation? I don't know. It won't happen because Paper, of the rock, scissors. <laughs> yeah, it won't happen because the Every financials. Day. But ultimately, because of of the the what it does for you know the problematic position that he plays. But your 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 team just find a spot for him. Let 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 the let the manager let your Hall of Fame manager work that out where he's going to play. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, <laughs> and I would trade a lot of people, players that you guys who are listening right now would hate to see go to and see them in Cleveland. If we get a chance to get Frankie Lindor, and this is course, I'm not just trading them just to trade them and give them one year. Probably see if we can sign an extension. And if I can't, I'm trading them for less than I'm trading them for much less than if I'm only getting from one year. Uh, yes. And Nick Magical would have to get off my team. A hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> Anybody who's listening right now that doesn't want to give up Nick Magical to get Frank and Lindor as part of a package. Please stop listening. Please, please, Jesus, stop okay, being a White right. Sox fan. Well, let's let's yeah. do it. We're we're speculating until things happen. What what's your package that if you're if you're Rick Hahn and you're talking to uh, Chernoff in Cleveland, what's your package, your realistic package that you're offering up to get uh, Frankie Lindor? I would say Madrigal, mm-hmm. Kopech, and maybe somewhere at the at the single A level. You think that's enough to get it done for one season I think of Frankie it's Lindor? Plenty. Yeah. Plenty. Yeah. That's literally the people. I'm a bad negotiator. People. If that's my starting point, that's bad. <laughs> literally the two people I was thinking about. Magical okay. and Kopech. And I think that gets more than the job done. They get two major league starting players who got service time still. They all both got probably six years left on service time considerations. I think uh with Kopech, especially if they play the years right. So yeah, I'm I'm all good for that. I'm I'm sad that we would have to face them, and that pitching staff in Cleveland would be filthy and probably not get any hits off them. But us having Frankie Lindor in our year of contention, as people we j- I just talked about, we got to strike while the iron's hot. And if we strike out on people who are free agents, we got to find a way to trade for superstars like Frankie Lindor. And maybe after the year is over, Frankie's like, you know what? I did like this. I like the situation, and they offer him a big time contract. That's a superstar. That's an actual superstar. And getting back to the Steve Cohen thing, I just read he is the biggest and richest MLB owner now by far 
Like his net worth is fourteen point six billion. The closest guy to him is Ted Lerner. Just give me a guess of what you think Ted Lerner's net net worth is. What did you say? Co- what did you what did you say? Cohen's was fourteen point six billion. Um, three billion. Four point eight billion is Ted Lerner. Okay, like, yeah, that's significantly more. Like they were calling him the real life David Axelrod from the show Billions. Yeah. That's what they were calling Steve Cohen. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, this, he's going to really stick it to Jerry Reinsdorf if he needs to because he's got the money. And he reinstituted all these people's salaries, the unionized groundskeepers, security guards, engineers. They all got their money because the Mets had cut their salaries and cut cut them out, some of them, in March. And his commitment to those people, $7 million. Like, this guy is a he's got money knows it and knows that you know spending is not a big deal he's gonna spend a lot of fucking money so and if it's if it's for a player against jerry reinsdorf we're gonna lose that one so let's get ready for that one Oof. all right yeah I, I like i like the way you're where your head's at in terms of finding creative trades before you have to commit any any dollars going forward because you never know you, you don't want to get into a bidding war with someone like Steve Cohen so yeah it just it just in terms of the topic of of you know maybe you do a little business we talked about Noah Syndergaard or Jacob deGrom in the last episode mm-hmm. uh but yeah the Lindor thing all right so you you you'd offer Kopech Matt and Madrigal for Lindor, and then you'd have Lindor play second. I would have the Lindor play shortstop. Okay, I'm sorry, Tim. All right. Yeah, I would play Lindor play second. Um, he, actually, no, I would have Lindor play second because he's not for the future. I don't want to move Tim, who signed for a long term deal. I'm sorry, Lindor. This is our shortstop. Yeah, just for a year. Second. Yeah, you're just here yeah. for a year. You, so you so. sign it. You sign an extension. Shit, Tim, you'll move to second in All a right. second. <laughs> I like it. I, I like that's the uh, that's the carrot. I like I like the I like to dream right there. You know, uh, crazy thing, crazier things have happened in the off season, no doubt. But uh, yeah, we'll stay with us all off season, and we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about all these little rumors that that come along, and we're still gonna. Uh, take the flamethrower to Rick Hahn, uh, as 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 sympathetic as we were last week when we did the Tony Larusa episode and Rick Hahn's bad day at work. Uh, we still have to take the flamethrower to him about Marcelo Zuna. It's still it's still top of mind, and we will get to it at some point. But uh, yeah, that, that's all I got tonight. I think uh, we we can break this up into a two parter, no doubt, because uh, we started gabbing away here. But yeah, that that's all I got. Uh, what do we got coming up uh, next week? Uh, just more more of the Tony Larusa saga and more and more. Or the rumor mill and uh you know things that happen along the way of course the mailbag and uh, you, you'll let them know how they can get a hold of us on the mailbag they started pouring in after our two-parter this week but how can they get a hold of us one more time for those who are uh maybe those who haven't you really had the had the 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 gall to reach out to us yet i saw we're seeing a lot of new uh, email emailers uh, coming yeah. in the past couple weeks, which I like. So if yeah. if you're sitting there on the fence and you're wondering, oh, I mean, should I, should I not? All are welcome here. We like to get new people into the fold. So how can they do that and reach us on Mailbag Monday? You can email us, like our guy Sam, who does it uh, constantly. I love Sam. To, he loves emailing. I love to read them, Sam. So keep on sending them in. Our guy Mike, our guy John Yakest. You want to be like those guys? Send it in to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Sam from Hinsdale. Good guy, man. I love his emails, actually. He's my favorite guy up there. Sorry, I had to pick a favorite. Sam from Hinsdale is my favorite guy. <laughs> if you guys want to be better than Sam from Hinsdale, 
then you need to write LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Questions, comments, anything. I literally mean anything. Write us on Locked On Socks. We'll read them. Some of them will make the show. Some of them won't. And if they're more, you know, offbeat, I think they'll make the show because we like to have a little fun here on Locked On Socks. Right, Danny? Absolutely. So for Chris Tanhill at Chris Tanhill on Twitter, me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter. The show is Locked On Socks on both Instagram and on Twitter. So thank you for listening to this episode. For Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence of Locked on Socks. All right, sit tight. Uh, maybe I'm going to go through the